I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And you're listening to Early Departures. The podcast where we talk about all the stuff that can go wrong on your vacations. Today, I am going to tell you about something pretty unfortunate that happened to a woman named Victoria Kerthoys 14 years ago. She was 17, and she stepped on a piece of glass, and it ended up making her get an infection in her big toe. Uh-oh. Ooh. Bacteria story? I was like, do you know this one? <laughs> um, Wait, is she from Florida? No, she is not. Okay, then I don't know it. <laughs> yeah, okay. She is... She's from Perth, Australia. Okay. So... The infection got into her bone. Wait, where was she when she got the cut? She was at home. Okay, just at home. Glass in the foot. Yeah. Okay. So she's she's 17. This is 14 years ago. She's 17. She's at home. She steps on a piece of glass. She gets an infection in her big toe. And the infection goes into her bone, which is my biggest fear with infections, because that can, you know, kill you and be, like, super hard to, like, actually cure, basically. So... Doctors actually had to amputate half of her big toe to prevent oh, no. the infection from spreading. I know. We haven't even left her town yet, and she has <laughs> right, lost she hasn't half left of her, her toe. town. I know. She doesn't even meet know. the criteria of this episode yet. <laughs> I know. Uh, but she recovered, and she went on to live a normal half-a-toe-missing life, and everything was chilling. Four years later, in 2010, now she's 21 years old, and Victoria travels to Thailand. Okay. I would say, guess what she decides to do, but I don't th- I don't feel like you would ever guess in a million years what she decided to do. <laughs> mm. I mean, can you give me some hints? I'll try. I do like guessing. Well, it has to do with her feet, and she's in Thailand. She go on the fish spas? She went to a fish spa. <laughs> Oh, good. You win the biggest prize. The uh, prize is a fish pedicure. And you're not going to want to use that certificate. Oh. So she gets a fish pedicure. For any of our listeners who aren't familiar with fish pedicures, I'll give you a little description from the NHS. A fish pedicure is... (laughs) The NHS of all places. (laughs) It's very official, you know. Uh, If you want to know the worst things about stuff, look for the official government definition. Anyway, quote, a beauty treatment that uses dozens of tiny fish to nibble away dead and hardened skin from the feet. During a session, a person immerses their feet in a tank of warm water and lets the minute, toothless Gararufa fish nibble away for around 15 to 30 minutes. So... Victoria goes and gets a fish pedicure, goes sightseeing, and generally just enjoys the rest of her vacation. No drama, no problem. Once at home, she starts feeling sick. Oh. Which is so reminiscent of the uh, the parasite story in Zambia that we had many episodes ago. Yeah, but I almost think I would rather enjoy the rest of my vacation and then get sick when I got home because I think there'd be a sense of like comfort and security and safety of like being in your home area to go to a a doctor oh for sure depending on what's wrong but as long as it's not so long after that you don't realize that your illness is because of something you did on vacation because remember the story with the parasite in 
uh, oh, Malawi is where it was. The guy, it, he didn't get sick for an entire year. So that's, that's kind of my bigger fear is like, what if it's so far after <laughs> that you do not connect it to your trip whatsoever? And then your doctor does not think, oh, it could be a parasite or bacteria from some far flung <laughs> place in the world. I feel like I don't have any doubt in my mind that you would be able to connect the dots even two years later. I don't know. I mean, really, especially if you travel a lot. I mean, if you travel a lot, yeah, it would be harder, but... Anyway, once at home, she started feeling sick. She starts getting fevers. Doctors don't know what exactly is going on with her. This goes on for two years. Ooh. Meanwhile, her half a toe starts to literally rot. Doctors know she has some kind of infection now, but nothing is working to cure it. They have to amputate the rest of her toe. Oh, boy. Luckily, she's already used to, like, the process of, you know, having to have at least part of a toe removed. I mean, at that point, you're sick, and it's the only thing you can pinpoint being wrong with your body. I would, like, yeah, I'd, like, take it. Just take it now. And it's funny that you say that because the next thing I was going to say was, at that point, she was actually glad to have the show removed, saying, quote, I felt relieved. I could go back to my life without being sick all the time. So you are absolutely correct. <laughs> that is how you would feel, I'm sure. So now she's got no big toe at all, which means her smaller toes are taking all the brunt of her weight when she's walking. So she gets some ulcers forming on her smaller toes. Unfortunately, those ulcers apparently hide the fact that the infection is still there and it's been spreading to the rest of her toes this whole time. Doctors realize her second toe is doomed. And they go ahead and amputate that one, too. I'm also just, like, trying to visualize how much weight I'm putting on my big toes when I walk. <laughs> I, I mean, really. They say, though, that, like, if you get your big toe or your little toe amputated, they affect your gait e- yeah. most when and you your, walk. Yeah, and your walk and your equilibrium. Yeah, I've heard that. Would you rather lose your big toe or your pinky finger? Wait, pinky finger? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm going hands versus feet here. Uh, I, I feel like because you're if you lose your big toe, that's very noticeable. Like, yeah, you, I mean, you can't wear you can't wear thong sandals. What? <laughs> I would rather lose my pinky <laughs> finger for sure. I don't really okay. do much with that guy. <laughs> I can do everything without it. If it was my pinky toe, though, I would lose the pinky toe because that one I have those toes where it curls under the rest of your other toes. And yeah, we've bonded over this. Yeah, so I'm like, just get rid of that guy. He's, he's jamming up the works. Oh, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So she's all right for a little bit, but then she starts to get sick again. She's constantly feverish and vomiting every day, which sounds like if it was happening to me, I would be like, doctor, I'm dying. What is happening? Yeah, I'd be like, you're not, I'm not going home until you've solved this. Yeah, put me in a hospital bed. I'm puking every day. This is absolutely not okay or normal. But doctors could not find any further infection. So it's just a mystery. And it's now November 2016, six years after her trip to Thailand. Six years. So she's like 26 now, 27. Mm, Yeah, yeah, 27. And doctors have to amputate her third and fourth toes. So now she's got one little piggy left. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my God, this poor woman. Yeah, she's just losing them by the year. Oh no. A year later, in November 2017, Victoria's pinky toe is not doing so great. When she takes her sock off, it is wet. Her toe is oozing. Doctors do some x-rays and blood tests and finds the infection in her bone has apparently continued raging this whole time. So, as you may have guessed, they go ahead and take off her last toe. Now she's got a foot with no toes on it. Um, wow. (laughs) So what was going on and what did it have to do with her Thai fish pedicure? Looking back on the fish pedicure, Victoria said, quote, I thought nothing of it as I'd watched the owner set up the system and it looked very clean, but how wrong I was. It is believed that the water in the fish tank in which she received her pedicure contained Shawanella. Shawanella is a type of bacteria most often found in freshwater or saltwater, though they also live in dairy products, oil, and animal carcasses, which, like, the dairy products thing really threw me off. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, that's weird. Do I need to worry about my butter and my yogurt now? A little bit. <laughs> so, the bacteria usually enters the body through either the skin or the digestive system, and as with most things, you're much more susceptible to infection from the bacteria when you have an open wound. Like if you were getting a fish pedicure and maybe had even a micro tear open wound from having half of your toe cut off several years before. So she'd still have like an open, some micro open wound even years after the amputation? Yeah, basically like the area was compromised already. But in a 2013 study of 16 known cases of Shaunella at the time, found that 13% of people with the infection died. So out of 16 cases, 13% of those people had died, which is quite a lot. Wait, 16 cases? 13% 13 of those 16 cases had died, yeah. What's the math on that? 2.08. Two people. That's a lot. That's two lives lost. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So... Unfortunately, according to Houston foot surgeon and podiatrist Dr. Andrew Schneider, Victoria was already more vulnerable to infections than other people without previously compromised feet. He also said that diabetics would be similarly vulnerable. So, just a tip in case any diabetics are listening and were interested in getting a fish pedicure, don't do it. Man, we really do ruin everything on this podcast. Everything. Do you want to do something? Let us know. We'll ruin it for you. (laughs) Because I know you and I have talked about this. Like, I know we we have. We definitely. No, I can't do it. No. Because we walk on our big toes, our baby toes, and who knows? Oh, gosh. I'm sorry, everyone that listens. We're the fun sponges over here. Yeah. We're we're a real buzzkill. (laughs) Victoria said... Quote, I warn people about the dangers of fish spas by discouraging them from using one, if I can, because we have no idea who those fish have previously bitten. The good news is that though she was self-conscious about her toeless foot at first, she actually started an Instagram account called Terrifically Toeless, where she posts pictures of her feet to take away the stigma. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's a gnarly looking foot. 
In response to the growing fish pedicure trend in India, a woman named Maneka Sanjay Gandhi wrote an article in 2018 encouraging people to stay away from them. She summed up the whole situation so succinctly, saying, quote, These little fish are not doctors, cosmetologists, or inanimate loofahs. They eat human flesh because they are starved of their normal diet, which is plankton or vegetable matter. Ew. The fish themselves are... (laughs) Ew that they eat plankton and vegetable matter? No, ew that they're, like, starved so they want to eat your flesh. That's just... That's, like, a horrible way to put it. Like I said vegetable matter and you said ew. I was like... (laughs) Phoebe, lay off on the fish sticks and try to eat some vegetables, okay? No. Yes. No, you are correct. It is disgusting that they are starved of their normal diet so that they will be forced to eat our toe skin. The fish themselves are so mistreated by this unhealthy diet that outbreaks of systemic bacterial infections in the animals are common, causing abnormal eye protrusions and hemorrhaging around the gills, mouth, and abdomen. They carry bacteria responsible for a variety of dangerous tissue infections, and the tubs in which you put your feet are a fertile breeding ground. They excrete, like all living beings, and these excretions are what you put your feet into. Government warnings across the world have warned people that fish pedicures may even cause hepatitis C and HIV. What the? (laughs) Yeah. So, though it's Highly unlikely. Okay, now I'm glad we've ruined this for everyone. Well, yes. But though it is highly unlikely that you'll actually get hepatitis C or HIV from a fish pedicure, it is possible. But you also very well may end up with a nasty infection like Victoria. And that is sort of on the more likely end of the spectrum. In fact, many of the bacteria that these fish can transmit are nearly or fully antibiotic resistant at this point. So it's a bigger deal than just a simple infection that'll clear up with a week on some antibiotics. Aside from Shaunella, two other types of infections are known to have been transmitted through fish pedicures. Staphylococcus aureus. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> everybody knows. Which is like your staph. typical staph infection, right? Yes. And mycobacteriosis. With staph infections, you can have symptoms that range anywhere from boils to cellulitis to infections that can threaten your bones, muscles, and internal organs, or even sepsis, which is an infection that affects your whole body and is often fatal. Most strains of staph bacteria are highly resistant to antibiotics, which probably anybody who's spent any time in hospitals has been terrified of because you can't get rid of it most of the time. Well, again, I'm still glad we ruined this for everyone. Yeah. So the other one I mentioned, my- mycobacteriosis, is also known as fish tuberculosis, <laughs> which, like, if that gives you a sense of how That's a horrible new one. it is. Yeah. So that though it's not generally fatal to humans, it can have a very bad effect on your skin, kidneys, and liver. Most often, it causes hard lesions on your skin wherever you make contact with an infected fish. So that's not great because imagine you go to a fish pedicure to take away all your dead skin and get some smooth feet and then 
two to four weeks later, you end up with these like hard, permanent lesions all over your feet instead. Ew. Yeah. Like how important was smooth skin on your feet to begin with? Because if it was very important, don't do a fish pet here. Everyone should just go buy that baby feet, mm-hmm. foot socks that you put your feet in and all of that dead skin will just fall off on its own. Yeah. And you will not have to risk an infection. Yeah. No infection, no, no like starving fish, so they'll eat you. <laughs> so anyway, to wrap this up, I'm just going to leave you with another example of the horrors that can come from fish pedicures. A woman in New York started developing a problem with her toenails. They started having these bumpy, raised, horizontal stripes across them. And then they started turning black and separating from her nail bed. Ew. I can't imagine many worse things than that. It's like something about nails. Like whenever they were talking about like torture, like for information in war or whatever, and they're like, we're going to pull your nails off. And it's like, that is the worst thing. Like your nails separating from your nail bed. Like, no. Oh, God. Yes. I'm just thinking about when I cut my nail too short, I snag it. And then the little, oh, no, 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 no. Or if you, like, stub your toe and it breaks, like, further down from, like, (laughs) where it's attached. Oh. Mm-mm. So she was understandably horrified and went to the doctor to check it out. After ruling out any hereditary conditions or disorders or any actual physical trauma to the area, they were totally stumped. And at some point, while reviewing her hermation, it came out that she'd had a fish pedicure six months ago. Mm-hmm. Dr. Sherry Lipner, who wrote about this woman's unfortunate toenail problem, said that rather than acquiring some sort of infection from the fish, quote, it is likely that direct trauma caused by fish biting multiple nail units caused a cessation in the nail plate production. So that means the fish were nibbling and actually damage the areas where the nails grow out of. So kind of oh. like, you know, when they push your cuticle Cuticles back. back. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Imagine if like the little fish were just nibbling at that area and making it so that your toenail was like, nope, we're done. We can't grow anymore. You've killed us. Just horrible. So they could like, literally you've killed your toenail. Yeah. So they can well, grow is, healthy this is anymore. Gross. <laughs> so to that same end, some salons unknowingly end up using a different fish called Chinese Chin Chin, which, unlike the Garufa fish, actually have teeth, which can draw blood. Which, of course, isn't just gross, but makes transmission of all kinds of diseases easier. And I was thinking about that, like, there's all these stories all the time in the news about how fish being sold at the grocery store or whatever like maybe it's labeled tuna but it's actually some other fish and you know same in restaurants you order trout maybe it's a different fish and there's a whole lot of scamming going on in the fish industry pretending one fish is another so i bet this happens a lot more than you would think with salons getting what they think is garufa and turns out to be chin chin yeah Totally, I believe. And these little fish have teeth. <laughs> Think about the consumer that's going to the salon. You, I wouldn't know I'm supposed to be looking for the chin chin fish. Yeah, you would have no idea until one of them actually like used their teeth and bite bit you and drew blood. Yeah, and even then, you probably wouldn't be educated enough on the matter to know that that was a problem. You would just think like, oh, 
the fish got a little uh, too excited. I think I'd be worried, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anytime you bleed at a salon, it's cause for concern. <laughs> so in some parts of Europe and Canada, fish pedicures are banned. While in the U.S., fish pedicures are also banned in at least 15 states. I almost didn't do this story because I thought, are fish pedicures even still a thing? And thought they had basically fallen out of fashion. No, they were on an episode of Below Deck like three episodes ago. They went and got a fish pedicure. (laughs) I did not see that episode. But I was going to say, if you do a a YouTube search, you'll see people posting their experiences with fish pedicures all the time up until, you know, a few days ago. So clearly people are still doing this and, you know, they're still doing it on Below Deck. (laughs) And uh, people will probably continue to do it as long as it's a still a thing that exists and is available. So hopefully I've dissuaded anyone who's listening to this episode from ever trying this out next time they're traveling somewhere that's where it's just cheap and freely available on every street corner. But like, no, it is disgusting. Um, And, you know, here's the thing I was thinking about this whole time, too, is that you do anytime you go to a, a nail salon and get your fingers or toenails done, you run a, a small risk of getting some kind of infection. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, it's a small risk that you might get a fish pedicure and get some kind of infection or illness from it. But I'm like, the infections that you can get from fish pedicures (laughs) seem to be so much more invasive than what you'd get at a nail salon. It's just not even worth it. It's an animal. It's a fish. It has its own blood. It has its own germs. Like when you get, when something happens at a nail salon, it's usually from cleanliness and it's because a tool nicked you that wasn't clean. Yeah. Not because this person bit into your hand to get your cuticles off. Yeah. And, and that's what they say, too, is that there's there's literally no way for them to do this in a sterile manner. So it's like where you can have a, a salon that puts all their tools in an autoclave and gets everything super clean every single time. There is absolutely no way for them to get a sterile environment when they're working with live fish and using warm water. And imagine just for a moment, let's say the tank has like 50 fish in it. What if two of those fish had two different infections in them? You know, it's like you could get two different infections at the same time. And it's just like, it's so not worth it. They just nibble your feet. And I will close in saying that there are places that use these fish for psoriasis treatments uh, and other, a couple other uh, skin disorders, but they use them in a scientific lab right it's a it's in a medical setting not a streetcar salon med spa yeah and it's basically like people who have eczema and psoriasis and stuff like that it's so it's so hard and it's just like nothing works and they try everything and so it's like if the only thing that works for you is to go to a hospital in Turkey where they have these fish nibble at you in a, you know, some sort of sterile environment, okay. If that's what you have to do, that's what you have to do. If you just have some, like, calluses on your big toe, like, no. Like you said, do the foot peel with the salicylic acid, get a puma stone, so you feed some hot water at home where it's clean, <laughs> like, go get a normal pedicure, whatever. Stay away from those fish. Yeah, never. I will never think of the the fish pedicures the same. (laughs) 
I'm glad we never did it. I know we wanted to. We were looking it up when we were going to Japan. I'm glad we never did. I know. One or both of us could be missing toes right now. You'd be never wearing your, what is it, the... Couldn't wear my Burks. <laughs> oh, that's right, because your Burks have the big toe part. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so stay away from fish pedicures. But also, of course, email us if you've ever had a pet- pedicure, because we want to hear about that. Well, I feel slightly unclean for some reason. <laughs> I know. I definitely feel like I want to take a shower or at least wash my feet off. Yeah. I like, I'm going to use a pumice stone tonight when I get in the shower. <laughs> Okay. My story um, is definitely another story around unfortunate events. Okay. Well, I mean. also probably make you feel grimy. I was going to say, what story on this show is not unfortunate events? That's true. So my story starts with 33-year-old Ruben Van Hees from Belgium. Hmm. Every year, uh, Ruben spends a few months in Colombia teaching English and organizing local IT projects. Hmm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Having visited the country for the third year in a row now, Ruben felt pretty confident about knowing his way around Medellin. Mm-hmm. Feeling comfortable in his surroundings, he decides he wants to open up the app Tinder and hope to swipe right for a good time. Uh-oh. I mean, you know, if I've learned anything from this show, it's be careful when you're on Tinder. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say in other countries, but like anywhere. Be careful when you're on Tinder anywhere. Yes. And I'll probably mention something about being careful on Tinder anywhere. (laughs) So he decides to try out Tinder. And it wasn't long into Ruben's swiping that he matched with Talia. They talked for several days before deciding to go on a date. Mm. They finally made arrangements to meet up and everything was going smoothly. Talia, who lived with her aunt, wasn't ready for the night to end and invited Ruben back to her aunt's house. Mm. So, so far, so good. You know, not too much cause of for concern. If you were just telling me this is like a story just like, as a friend, I would be like, oh, cool. I wonder what happens next. So because it's a show, I'm like, mm-hmm. She wasn't ready for the night to end, eh? Because she's going to murder him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? As they head back to Talia's aunt's house, they stopped at Ruben's flat to pick up his cell phone charger and grab a few beers from his fridge. Mm. Talia also takes a blanket from his bed, saying something along the lines of, we'll bring this just in case it gets late and you need to sleep there. Mm. I thought it was strange that Talia and her aunt didn't have any extra blankets or even a bed sheet. So it seems kind of odd. Yeah. But Ruben didn't think this was too strange and didn't question it. Okay. Just grabbed his things and off they went. The couple was in a taxi. Some articles mentioned it was a taxi. Some mentioned it was an Uber, but they were in a hired car on their way through the city when at a stoplight, two armed men jump into the car. Oh, boy. One was holding a knife and the other was holding an electric shock weapon. I assume like a taser. Yeah. Ruben, the driver, and Talia are all being shocked by one of the one of the men who jump in the car. Mm. With the men now in the car, they pull Ruben's shirt over his head, essentially blindfolding him, and they start to empty his pockets, snatching his watch, his wallet, and his cell phone. Mm. They begin to drive out of the city and into the mountains. Uh oh. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, you never want you never want to leave the oh. city when this something like this is happening. Like going to a remote area. I was in a taxi in Costa Rica once. <laughs> I was like, I was by myself, solo traveling, and I got in this taxi, and I was going to like some market, and 
it started looking really rural and I really did start to panic. I was like, he's taking me to his rural farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere where nobody's going to think I was because I'm staying in the city. He's going to put you in the pig shed. (sighs) Yeah. And it's also got to be pretty alarming because he has a shirt over his head. So he also, I mean, you can feel the motions of the vehicle. I'm sure you could probably somewhat see through the fabric, but you're also very disoriented now. Sure. I think this is when Ruben starts to realize that the driver is in on this hijacking or kidnapping, whatever you want to call it. Man. No one else in the car is being tied up except him. Oh, that sucks. That sucks so much. Oh, terrifying. And at this point, if the driver is on it, then you have three men versus you and this woman. Yeah. They drive deeper into the mountains before stopping in a remote area and forcing Ruben to climb into a sewer drain. Oh, no, thank you. No, that's terrifying. With Ruben stuffed in the sewer drain, Talia heads back to the city and empties Ruben's flat rating it for anything of value. She takes his passport, his laptop, anything she can find of value. It's at this time when he's stuffed inside the sewer that he realizes the taxi driver wasn't the only one in on this. Everyone was in on this robbery. How do you ever trust anyone again? I know, especially because I assume as he proceeded into the mountain, I assume for like the first There's no timeline, but I assume for a good chunk of this, he thought, okay, well, I'll protect her. It's me and her. Yeah. And at that point, now it's four against one. Yeah. Oh, God. So poor Ruben is now sitting in the sewer drain. They have him tied with a rope, and the rope is tied around his neck in a noose fashion Mm. and then connected to his feet, forcing him into the fetal position. So if he tried to stretch his legs, it would just pull the rope tighter across his throat. I would be so afraid if, like, what if it started raining really hard? You know, like, that. those things flood so quick. Well, I would be so scared. I'd also, what kind of varmint is crawling down there? Yeah. What kind of spiders? What kind of, mm. speaking of bacteria, like, what, is this a, you know, sewer? Or is this rain water runoff? Like, oh, yeah. no thank mm. you. Sometime a little bit later, the men come back for Reuben. They demand that he transfers money to them on his smartphone. But I imagine being in the mountains and a lack of a strong Wi-Fi signal that that didn't work. Yeah, right? (laughs) There's no way in like the Colombian wilderness (laughs) you would would have trouble. That someone's going to have enough data to transfer you money. Yeah, you would have some trouble (laughs) connecting. So they can't get the phone to connect to send to transfer money via his online bank account. But to me, that also sounds like a really stupid decision on these criminals part because you're then giving someone your like account and routing number, like to transfer money between bank accounts online. Like you need some personal information. It would also be really scary though if you were that guy who they were saying transfer it to this because then you're like, you plan to kill me. That's just like showing somebody your face, you know? It's like- Yeah. Yeah, you've showed them your- Yeah. You're not expecting- you're not expecting me to be here to tell anybody. Because yeah. I'm going to transfer it and then you my know. phone's going to get smashed. And then... And then I'm just going to disappear forever. Yeah. And then you can say, oh, yeah, I took him in a taxi and this is the payment. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. I mean, unless it was like a lot of money. Anyway. 
Since they can't get any money from Ruben through his online bank account, they start to demand his banking passcodes. Now, remember, this time they've got his wallet. And they tell him, like, you better give us your PIN codes. And if they're not correct, we're going to come back here and we're going to cut off your fingers one by one. Oh, my God. I mean, I would be like, here, have everything. Oh, yeah. Take everything you possibly can I'd have. I'd like, take like, the credit cards, take the debit card, God, go shopping. Money is replaceable. My fingers are not. Like, go ahead. Yeah. Mm. Don't take my toes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would be like, I will personally drive to the bank with you tomorrow. You can stand right next to me and I will get you that money because don't take my fingers on my toes or on my fingernails. <laughs> I feel like if a if someone was saying like give me your like I have your wallet give me your pin number I'm going to empty your bank account if I was in that kind of situation where I'm already tied up in a sewer I wouldn't even think about lying about it and I'm not saying he did but they you know they threatened like they better be correct I think yeah. at that point like you've got me I'm 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 going to give you whatever you want my trick is to just have no money in your bank account yeah good point too go yeah sure you can have that sixteen dollars sure. Yeah, I never, I don't think I ever really travel with my debit card because you can't really withdraw money from a credit card. They could rent up some balances on that, but then I would just call American Express and be like, oh, clearly this is not me. And they would be like, sure, no problem. Closed. Yeah. Canceled. But I think it's good as like a safety precaution not to really use a debit card anyways as your primary payment method when you're traveling. Yeah. And have a couple of different credit cards. Because I do know people who they will travel with just their debit card or just one credit card. Anything can happen. Your credit card can get blocked. Your bank account could get hacked and they take all the money, whatever. You have to have like a backup and then hopefully another backup to that just in case. And then if you were like going out, whatever, hide one of your cards somewhere in your room so that you have something to go back to. Yes, and or take a photocopy of them. Yeah. That's happened to me where I've had to show proof of the card and I haven't had it with me. Mm-hmm. We learned that the hard way. Yeah, and I, I saw like a show on, on Netflix a long time ago that was all about like bad things happening on vacation. And that's where I got the idea to have a picture of your passport on something, some kind of cloud storage So that no matter what happens, even if you lose your phone or lose your laptop or whatever, you can sign into your cloud account somewhere else and still have that proof somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. So now with his bank account number, the men take off. I'm I'm assuming one's still guarding him, Mm -hmm. but they go and empty his bank account. Ruben is absolutely terrified. He's also claustrophobic and an absolute panic mode the men give reuben a pipe filled with some kind of substance and pretty much force him to smoke oh no (laughs) some articles said it was he they had him smoke crack and some articles said it was some kind of like you know it's columbia it was some kind of cocoa yeah substance Um, oh yeah (laughs) some kind of hot chocolate in that pipe (laughs) Yeah, no, we all know what you meant. We knew. Different articles called it different things. But again, there was very limited reporting on this story on really any English um, news outlet. So I had to really rely on auto translate and holding my phone up on Google Translate yeah. to the computer, <laughs> which proved to be a bit difficult. 
Sure. So they have him in this hole. They're forcing him to smoke something. And then they cover up the sewer hole with the blanket that Talia took from his apartment. Ah, jerks. I know. Although, I have to say, when you first said that, I thought it was because they're going to murder him and wrap his body in it. And they were like, oh, we don't want to use one of our blankets. That'll lead them right back to us. When the cops find him, we'll use his own blanket. Yeah. That's not a, I mean, I could definitely see where your head went with that one. Thinking like a murderer, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you be? Yeah. Now that his bank account has, has been emptied and he's spent a good part of the night in this sewer, the men come back from him. Ugh. This time, they take him out of the sewer hole and bring him to a hotel in Bello, a suburb of Medellin. When he woke up there early in the morning, he saw that the man guarding him was asleep. Mm. Ruben knew he had to act fast. This was his only chance to escape. Oh, shit. He ran out of the room and into the middle of the road with nothing but his boxer shorts on. Oh, my God. He tried to stop taxis and cars, but no one wanted to stop in front of a half-naked, screaming Belgian. (laughs) God. Right? Could you imagine if you're like a little old farmer? Like, driving yeah. down the road, and there's just, like, half-naked guy. They easily could have thought that he was just, like, wildly on drugs. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, really, like, this, as a woman, if I was driving my car, and there was a half-naked, like, only in his boxers guy trying to flag me down, I wouldn't there's stop. no way I stopped. No there's way, yeah. no way. Uh-uh. The most I'll do is, like, haul the police and say, there is a guy in his boxers trying to stop traffic. Since he wasn't able to get anyone to stop, he just started walking down the road, like, at a very fast, kind of, like, wild pace, and eventually was taken in by guards at a local bank branch that noticed him. Mm. The guards at the local bank were able to get him to the Belgian consulate. Once he was there, he was he realized how lucky he was to make it out alive. Employees at the consulate even told him that most people don't live to tell this kind of tale. Oh, creepy. From there, they arranged for Ruben to receive a temporary visa to fly back home. Good. Yeah, that's the first thing. I'd be like, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm done. I'm I'm out of here. In the end, the kidnappers emptied about 23,000 euros from Ruben's bank account. Dang. Which equals roughly about $27,000 US. Mm-hmm. And I believe in a follow-up interview, he said he was able to work with his bank to recover the money. Good. As far as what happened to Talia and the crooks, I think there's a pending investigation. But like I said, I had a trouble finding Mm. um, English translations of the interviews. So I can't tell you much more, but I think it's time we hire a translator. (laughs) Ruben said that he wanted to tell his story because he wants to warn other people. Mm. He said, this is not something you can prevent. I want to tell people to be wary when they visit Colombia because although Ruben was aware of the dangers in the country, he could not have imagined, he could not have imagined that he would have been kidnapped during a Tinder date. Yeah. Recently, a Turkish-Canadian professor visiting Medanine was also robbed, drugged, and eventually died of an overdose. Oh, my god! And that's why I want to share my story. Wow. And then I dug in a little bit. And meeting people for dates in general, not just when it comes online, just, you know, you you meet a woman out and you, you, you make plans to go on a date. You encounter someone in a bar, yeah. male or female. It's not it's not roofies roofies that they're using, but they're a lot of the time something gets slipped in your drink yeah. and you are you are drugged and they rob you and something happens. Most of the time you are just robbed of your belongings, mm-hmm. but sometimes you are also because they're just 
dumping something in your drink, it also leads to an overdose sometimes as well. Where like, I don't think the intent is to sure. kill you, but it happens. Yeah. So it's just an unscientific amount is thrown into your drink and then your body can't handle it. Right. Or they're just mixing a bunch of random things that, you yeah. know, that's like a cocktail of, of things to knock you out. So it's actually pretty common there, unfortunately. Mm. But that also happens, you know, everywhere. I mean, there's dangers to online dating and meeting people. Um, I mean, you can go out in the States and have someone slip something in your drink. Um, I mean, in New Zealand, mm -hmm. <laughs> as we have heard on this show, you never know. And it's, you know, you just, you never know what is in the mind of the other person. You can't know. They could seem completely normal, but as soon as you agree to go somewhere with them, all bets are off. Yeah, know. there was actually um, a, a Reddit thread about dating in Colombia, and most of it were people that were traveling to Colombia or were just living there temporarily. And this one guy kind of was giving people advice about dating apps, and he said 50% of the women are escorts, but they'll tell you right up front because they don't want to waste their time. Yeah. So, and he, he kind of gave some examples of, like, what to look for when having dialogue if it's going to be someone scamming you or um a, a professional. Gosh. It'd be, you know, and it'd be really hard on the flip side of that to just be a regular person in Colombia who just wants to be on Tinder and meet people. And then everybody's, like, thinking that you're, you might be an escort or that you might be trying to murder them. And you're like, I'm just trying to meet somebody mm -hmm. because I work from home. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. That sucks too. Well, yeah. And I wonder what the difference would be if you weren't allowed to use a dating app like that as someone passing through an area. Yeah. So like where, where I live, it's a, it's a pretty big city, so a lot of my friends have struggled to, like, when they're using dating apps, they always find these guys they match with, and the guy's like, oh, I'm just here for the weekend. I'm just in yeah. town for work or just here with some friends. And it's like, well, then get off the fucking app. Yeah. But I understand what the point of the app is for some people. Yeah, but you're but like, like just, to your point, you're like, just go to a bar. Like, go to a bar and right. meet somebody organically because you're not looking for a serious situation right so i guess i'm applying that to your comment about like it sucks for the locals there yeah. that are just genuinely trying to date and then yeah. you've got people who are using the app for other means yeah well that's awful i mean it it is awful it's extremely unfortunate i'm really happy for him that he made it out yeah definitely an episode of unfortunate events yeah you lose your toenails or you lose your money it's never a good day when you're on early departures. Uh, yeah. So send us your Tinder date stories because we definitely love to hear those. Bad or good. Tell us all about it. Tell us about your fish pedicures. We're into fish pedicures and Tinder dates this week. Ooh. Early departures podcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at early departures podcast. And until then, be safe. And depart on time. <laughs> <laughs>